Hello and welcome to Good Gab, the show that brings good people together to talk about the good things they are doing. I'm Steve McBride and we're taping this podcast in the newly renovated and beautiful downtown Spokane Public Library. This is their new production studio on the third floor. And in today's episode, we get to talk with Rick Clark, founder of Spokane Quarantine. We're hoping Rick's going to share us a little bit about his story, some of the interactions with the people that you're working with, and just kind of how you're helping shape our community. So Rick, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. I love it here. <laughs> yeah, it's really nice that Spokane, um, you know, and the library district has provided a space like this for folks, and we get to come use it. <laughs> yeah. Rick. Thanks again for joining us. Yeah, I'm just wondering, what's happening with Spokane Quarantine right now? Oh, geez, right now? Uh, right now, we are just um, trying to help as many people as we can in the community. Uh, right now, the community is really hurting. So I probably get over a dozen messages per day that are help requests. So people that are struggling, everything from, you know, I'm getting close to being evicted to I don't have any groceries um, I'm looking for work. I'm trying to move, but I don't have the money to move. I mean, anything and everything you can imagine comes through our inbox. And so what we do is we try to do the best we can. We try to answer as many as we can. We we do it in order. Um, and with a following of 34,000 people and growing. Um, 34,000. Yeah. Wow. And we'll have to talk about how that all started. But hmm. right now it's just, it's, it's in a really sweet spot. Um, we're, we're creating a new type of community that we've never seen before um, with the help of social media, with the help of being able to organize and, and get that many people together to do things. It's unlike anything I've ever been a part of. So when you think of old traditional ways to help somebody um, that all is, goes out the window because now you can just put a need up and in within seconds, sometimes those needs will be fulfilled. And that's just wow. something that's overwhelming sometimes but in a good way. And so we're trying to hone in and just, you know, practice and, and get better at things and just kind of have this thing become its own fine oiled machine to where um, we just continue to serve the community in a way that doesn't, isn't a struggle. It's not a, it's not a hard thing. Well, you kind of talk about a little bit about that group of people, 34,000, that's so many. <laughs> How did you get there? So <laughs> um, I, I'm the founder and executive director of Giving Backpacks, which is my nonprofit. And so um, that started in 2015 as kind of an outreach program. And then it kind of grew. And by 2018, when I was attending Gonzaga University, we officially made it a nonprofit, a 501c3. So um, we've given out 7,000 backpacks full of necessities that are, are needed for people who are living on the streets. And then the pandemic came to town in you know March of 2020. If you guys remember how awkward and weird that was, we were supposed to stay home and I didn't understand what that meant. And it was pretty serious, you know, and uh, my wife was like, all right, you can't go out and do the outreach work that you're normally doing, but you're not going to pace the house either. So you right. need to figure out what you're going to do. Right. So um, I had several thousand followers and I was like, okay, I'm just going to get online. And I think it'd be really cool to raise $200 and buy 20 large pizzas from Pizzerita because Brian Dickman, the owner at the time was a big supporter of uh, giving backpacks and restaurants. If you remember, we're going through a lot of really new area that they hadn't faced before. And so yeah, I thought it'd be a, people, right? Yeah. yeah. And so I thought it'd be a really great way to provide full price. You know, I didn't want any deals. I wanted mm -hmm. to buy these pizzas at full price and then have those pizzas delivered to a homeless shelter where maybe people who don't get to experience 
pizza very often and get to experience like really good pizza. And so I thought that'd be a really good way to be home, be safe, and also do some amazing work online, right? And so um, the first night we raised $496 and I was like, whoa, that went way better than I thought. So we were able to actually provide meals from two restaurants and give them to two different shelters the first night. And then my wife was like, you should do it again tomorrow night. And I was like, no, everybody's financially worried right now. And we just took $496 out of the community. I'm pretty sure that's all that there's going to be left. And I don't want to be that guy that just is out there begging for money. And she's like, well, just try it one more time. And if it doesn't go as well, then we know that that's where it ends. Right. So the second night we did it and we raised a thousand dollars in 15 minutes. And we were in like, night two. in night two. Wow. And then the word really got out and we were getting hundreds of page requests to join our page every hour. And so we were like, okay, we're, maybe we're onto something. Maybe, maybe being in a pandemic, we can all instead, cause everybody, if you remember, everybody was trying to order food every night to support the restaurants. Well, I was, yeah, I gained an, a complete shirt size over the uh, <laughs> pandemic. And so people were like, I no offense, but I just can't keep buying this food. I don't know what to do with all of it. And so I was like, what if we pooled our money together? Cause we want to support the restaurants, but we, we helped deliver that food to people who actually need the food. And so it was just a winning combination. And long story short, 112 videos later, we raised $250,000 and we literally helped save over 180 restaurants in Spokane. Um, we were dropping off checks to restaurant owners who were on their way to the bank to cancel their rent check. Um, I don't know how many times I shared tears with restaurant owners, because if you know restaurant owners, I'm kind of new in that area. I've learned a lot this last couple of years, but these are a different breed of people. Um, these are people who all year long are the ones providing for the the fundraisers. And these are the people who are taking care of their employees at all costs and stuff like that. And so they've never had their back against the wall like that. And so they didn't know how to act. They didn't know what to do. It was scary for them. And so I'd have some real conversations and say, look at, we're going to help you. I know this feels weird and you want to keep giving me discounts and you want to give me free sodas. And, but I'm here to tell you, if I have to tip you more, I'm giving you this money one way or another, and we're going to support you. And then just know that this food is actually helping people that really need it. So that just launched us into a completely different stratosphere. And then once the pandemic was kind of over, we, and we were able to go out and, and eat at restaurants and stuff like that. I said, okay, well, I'm going to get back to doing what I do. And the community said, no, you're not, you're going to stay here and we're going to continue to do Spokane quarantine. And so, uh, we've just been, I mean, we've done everything from give away eight cars to, to, to single moms struggling to, um, you know, providing groceries for people, water bottles in the summer, Christmas trees in the winter. I mean, you name it, that group has done it. So, so yeah, it just continues to evolve. Yeah. Yeah. Where's it going next? So, you know, um, we have a pretty big partnership coming up that I'm not able to talk about yet, <laughs> but in a couple of weeks, it's going to be pretty exciting. So probably by the time this airs and stuff, maybe <laughs> people will know about it, but we're just finding that, um, there, there's a lot of people, families struggling. And so we're going to be able to, fill backpacks with items that families need and, and that we're in a very special way. We're going to be able to get these out to people um, and just continue to support people and um, give resources. You know, this town is full of resources to help people. Um, and sometimes people don't know that those resources are only a couple blocks away from them. So it's kind of our job we feel to get out there and kind of let people know what's out there. And that group is just a, a great way to do that. Well, so people are finding you. That's obvious. Yeah. But, um, I see your Facebook following continue to, you know, grow. How else do people get in touch or, or participate 
in this movement. So the really cool thing is we've, we're kind of gone from, Hey, let's give Rick all this money and watch him do all these amazing things, um, which has been great, but it's exhausting for one person <laughs> to do that. Right. So, um, from my education at Gonzaga, the message has always been, you want to build up other people. You want to build leaders out of people who didn't think they were even <sighs> leaders. Sorry. <laughs> I get a little emotional cause it's, it's, it's pretty raw, you know, but, um, I was homeless living in my van seven years ago. I would have never thought that I'd graduate from Gonzaga University and have a nonprofit helping people. But to you, to answer your question, we're trying to change the culture in Spokane to where we get people more actively involved in, in doing these things. So you don't have to go to the page to figure out how to help your neighbor. You can just go help your neighbor, you know? And so uh, it's, but you can also find inspiring, encouraging, uplifting things on that page because we refuse to put any of the bad stuff out there. And it's not because we're trying to, prove to people that there's nothing bad going on in the world. We just know that there's so many pages and so, so much bad stuff on our feeds that we don't need to do that. We right. let's balance that out a little bit and just throw as much positive as we can out there. And so we say light attracts light on that page because that's the easiest way to really explain everything is when you see somebody doing good, people go there to see what that's about. And then they start their light shines and then they start to go out there in the community. And so, um, it's it's happening and it's pretty wild to see an a, a city's culture changing in front of your eyes but now people rather than judge first they're listening first you know which that's a great concept right like when you see somebody going through something i don't think you understand what they're actually going through until you listen to them so you can assume all you want that by the way you look or by the way that you're acting that you've got this this and this problem but until you actually talk to that person man, you have no clue. I mean, I just, yesterday I met a woman who I just thought she wanted to wash her clothes and I got to know her story and she's homeless and has a master's degree in social work. And she's living outside right now because a couple things happened in her life that led her to not having a home. And that's really, really easy right now to, to, to happen for people. So well, great point. Like on the surface, like just looks alone. You don't know who someone is. Mm -mm. You got to start a conversation. Connection is yeah. the biggest piece. So you can throw money at things. You can build shelters. You can even change laws. But until you connect a person with a community going on around them, you're spinning your wheels. And every year we're going to start over and act like we don't know how this became a problem again. Right? So I've been saying it till I'm blue in the face. Everyone loves yeah. my comeback story, but no one's ever stopped and said, how did you, how did that happen? So they want to talk. Everybody wants to talk about the good, which is totally human nature. And I totally get that. But we also need to stop and say, when those good things happen, how did that happen? And let's make sure that happens for other people. And so my story was just all about connection. If it wasn't for a couple strangers who had no skin in the game, had no, no reason to help me, if it wasn't for them helping me, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't have done a TED Talk. I wouldn't have won Philanthropist of the Year last year. I, none of that stuff would have happened um, simply because when you're alone and especially homeless and you're watching the world go on around you and you're not a part of it, it's the saddest thing you'll ever see. And so when I see that in someone's eyes, I recognize it because I've been there. So I know right away. And it's, it's so important to me to get to them and make sure that they know that this is just a phase. And I know that sounds cliche and it's kind of easy, but as bad, as quick as things turn bad, things can turn good too. Absolutely. And it happened for me. And so I just, I have to get out and let everybody who will listen know that you know, you might be going through a struggle right now, but that doesn't define who you are. You're here for a much bigger purpose. Um, I feel bad for the people that left this earth and, and never discovered that purpose. So great point, right? It's like, I know for myself, 
I think when people say, uh, I mean, I hear it like self-made man, it pisses me off because right. <laughs> it's not true in any case. Yeah. And so I hear that a lot too. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> that, that self-made person yep. or that it's not true. That, that self-made. I hear people say I'm, I'm a self-made man or whatever. And I was like, yeah. so you all by yourself. <laughs> right. See, it doesn't make any sense to me because no, it's like those, uh, this world exists with the, the people that we're in it with. Sometimes we know them well. Sometimes it's the complete stranger. Right. Uh, that spark, that little something, that good that can happen, that hope, that's, that can change the world. And hope is interesting because hope comes in small forms, big forms, like, oh, you got a new job, you met that special person. That's hope that's obvious, right? But there's hope that people pass by because they don't even understand that it's hope. And so a good example of that is when I, when I took the bus, uh, to Spokane community college on one of my worst days to see if I could go back to school after being a high school dropout for 28 years, I had to take the assessment test. And the lady said, uh, you know, you scored really low, which I knew I would because I hadn't opened a book in 30 years. She said, but people have scored lower. And that was all I needed to hear. All I needed to know was that I wasn't going to be the worst student in the history of education. Right. And so <laughs> most people wouldn't think that as hope. They think that was almost a slam. Like, Oh, that was rude. But honestly, just knowing that I did enough to, to go to a school where other people have gone, I was like, okay, maybe I can do this. And then it was no looking back. I was on honor roll the entire time I was there and then got right. a scholarship at Gonzaga university, which I never would have in a million years thought I would ever go to that school. My son, graduated from Spokane Falls the same day that I graduated from Spokane Community College, which is totally incredible and special. And that day he said, dad, you know, with your backpack program and your grades, you could go to Gonzaga. And I remember telling him, looking him dead in the face. And I said, yeah, why don't I try Yale and Harvard while I'm at it? Because, right. And I laughed because to me, I was still not worthy of those things. And so that night I went home and I was like, you know what? I'm teaching my son to shoot for the moon. Why would I say something like that? And so I sat down and I, applied to go to Gonzaga. And part of the process is you have to write a short essay kind of explaining why you think it would be a good fit. And so I dumped, I mean, if there was ever an intentional letter written, it was that letter. I dumped everything out. And I said, I've been here my whole life. I've been poor my whole life. I've, I've been hungry my whole life. I'm a grown man standing on your steps, trying to break the cycle of poverty in my family. I hope to God you open the door. And that's how I ended this letter. So powerful. Uh, I can't imagine somebody reading that and being like, next, you know, like I made sure that they were going to have to think about it. And sure enough, I got this letter three weeks later saying, here's $34,000 to get started. We've been waiting for you. Um, wow. And it was just a home from that point on. And I got to go to school with 7,020 year olds and I was 44 years old. <laughs> yeah. Tell us more about that experience. <laughs> that was awkward and amazing and awesome and frightening. And uh, it's funny because the year that I started was the smartest freshman class that had ever started Gonzaga in the history of Gonzaga. So that means they averaged 3.7 grade point average. Dang. And I, I was bringing in like a 3.5 from Spokane Community College. So I'm like, oh boy, I'm probably going to drop your average. But uh, what was cool was that they, the students got to teach me how to write properly, how to, you know, how to make a paper. Um, I got to explain to them how the world might work when they leave school. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Cause they had a lot of ideas of what they thought was going to be handed to them or whatever. And so it was kind of cool that we got these two worlds got to collide. And, um, I made some great friends. Um, I got to go to Gonzaga basketball games, which I'd never, I've been a fan for 20 years, never got to go. So I got one ticket for every game and uh, home game and every game that I went to somebody from the McCarthy athletic center 
would come down in the student section and tell me that I need to move because it was the student section. And I would, <laughs> yeah, no, true story. And so I started wearing my badge yeah. and then I would just hand it to them and I'd finish eating my nachos and watch the game mm. and let them figure it out, you know, and they always figured it out and they were always really kind and like, oh, I'm so sorry. Bless you, sir. And you know, all that stuff, but they wouldn't <laughs> let me sit anywhere else. I had to sit in the student section. I don't know if you've ever seen the student section. Yeah, it's a wild crowd game, but there. They basically do jumping jacks for three hours and, uh, <laughs> I'm not built for that. So uh, I went to probably seven or eight games and it was amazing. But that experience is just something. And then Mike Rowe came and paid off my tuition. <laughs> at the end of my at the end of my stay there, the last week, Mike Rowe came to Spokane. He has a program called uh, Returning the Favor. And it was season four and I was the chosen one. I didn't know that. They downplayed it. They lied to me all month long saying it was just like a local thing. And so they followed me around the school with a camera and um, they surprised me in one of my debate classes at the very end and Mike Rowe uh, paid off my tuition, then proceeded to give me about $70,000 worth of products for our backpacks and wow. it filled four storage units and we are just now getting through all of it. <laughs> How did that feel in that moment? Like what, what was happening in your heart? I blacked out. I don't remember <laughs> a lot of it. Uh, thank God the video is out there. That's an amazing <laughs> 20 minute video because I can relive it and be like, oh yeah, I, I did live through that. Uh, but it was amazing. I, they filled the McCarthy Athletic Center with students and the, the, the Gonzaga mascot and, uh, all of my family and friends and cheerleaders. And you know, those big heads that they have of the players and they passed around, yep. they, they had one of those of me. Uh. And so they passed it around. That's still in my storage unit. And every time I open my storage unit, it scares the crap out of me because <laughs> this big, huge head of mine, but, uh, it was just a really surreal moment. Um, I, I like I said, it happened in 2019 and I'm still just like, can't believe it happened. But, um, it really just showed, I mean, micro, what he was doing was just traveling the country, highlighting people that are doing good things in their community. And that's what we do on Spokane Quarantine. Really, if you think about it, we go out there and we highlight people, we highlight businesses, um, we lift our, so micro kind of, you know, left something with me and, and he, he flew off that day. I never saw him again. And I got to spend the whole day with him and he took my family out to lunch and um, it, that launched us into another, you know, national attention. So we've been getting lots of love from banks and credit unions and it just hasn't been a problem with the nonprofit uh, with funds, which I know that that's just a big issue with nonprofits is we basically go out there and just beg for money all year long because we don't know how long we can keep the doors open, you know, because yeah, without funds, you yeah, can't exist. So you can't help. We've been super blessed yeah. and we've tried to help other nonprofits just because there's a lot of nonprofits out there doing really great work, but nobody knows about them. They don't have the social media impact. They don't have the history and the stories and stuff. So, um, when Amazon started giving us pallets of returns, we instantly said, you know what, we're just going to give this right back out to the nonprofits. So we started giving hundreds of thousands of dollars of items from Amazon out to nonprofits so that they could spend their money on their mission, not on laundry soap and cleaners yes. and stuff like that. So we're just constantly trying to always think about how we can help people. And the more you help someone, the more your life is blessed. And so I don't know how to explain it other than just be that person that shows people and then they can see it with their eyes. But, um, I never worry about the things that I used to worry about because, um, it's just always taken care of. And it's from, a servant leadership heart. It's from wanting to help other people and genuinely wanting to do that, not doing it for some other purpose. And so, uh, I see that in a lot of people, they have a great intentions and they want to do things, but at the end it's, it's for another reason. And that's just, you can always see through that and, and it ends up kind of falling flat. So 
um, for anybody listening, if you have something that you're, you're interested in doing, you have a nonprofit, you believe in it wholeheartedly, just be true and honest and go out there and, and, and be transparent. And that light attracts light. So people will see you doing good things and they'll want to know more about it. So don't focus so much on what you're traditionally supposed to do. Um, it's all about connecting with people. And so if you can find a way to do that, you'll have the following, you'll have the people that'll support you. Well said. Yeah. That transparency. I know that's something I value a whole lot and you're definitely speaking my personal brand, like servant leadership. That's the way I think uh, the world should move in private companies and nonprofits. Like serve the people that you're working with, like create teams, like move the needle right in a direction that's positive. And you know, you were talking about how you got something in that moment with, you know, Mike Rowe. I bet he got something from you too. Like that that's how this works when it's genuine, right? Right. You're in that moment. So I'm curious, like what's driving you now? Like what's a where's this humbleness and the inspiration coming from? Like Well now it's literally the messages I receive of people saying, Rick, I just graduated from Spokane Community College, and I didn't ever tell you this, but you're the person who got me to go to school. And I'm like, wow, wow. you know, uh, Rick, I, I saved my backpack. I have an apartment now and a part-time job. And you met me in the woods when I was living in a tent. And I keep that backpack on my wall as a reminder of you and the people that helped me. And someday I'm going to give that backpack to the, to the right person, but it has to be that right person. And um, the messages just go on and on. Um, I got a message yesterday from a lady who met me, and apparently I gave her a big hug and she said, you, you didn't know, but my husband had just committed suicide. And that was my first day of going out in the community and kind of trying to find myself again. And we ran into each other at uh, Lexi's nails, uh, because my wife, it was my first pedicure I ever got. <laughs> How was uh, that? Oh, I freaking loved it. I was like, where have you been all my life? And, uh, but I met this woman and she approached me and met me. And, um, I get that a lot. People will be like, I love what you do. And I'm always just so happy to meet people. Um, but I didn't know at the time how important that meeting was and that hug was. And I don't think we're always supposed to know how everything turns out. So I'm okay with not knowing, but man, when I get those messages, that's what fuels me. So yeah. whenever I think my tank might be on and people say like, Rick, you've got to be exhausted. You do so much right now. And I'm like, okay, but I've had 45 years to prepare for this. Like I didn't do a whole lot for a long time. I wasn't a bad person. I just was muddling through life in poverty. And so um, I'm definitely rested. I have no quit in me. Um, and the community keeps me going just because the love that they show me makes me realize like, this is where I'm supposed to be. So heck yeah. So that, that's the purpose. Yep. yep. Keep giving back light yep. versus light. And it just keeps getting better. It's crazy. Well, I'm so happy to hear it. And the, like, as we shape community, right, it takes lots of us to do it. And that, that group, the core that comes together, we can move the needle. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm so excited to uh, see where you guys go. Oh, yeah. I was uh, looking at your Facebook page. I saw uh, a gala coming up and, you know, masquerade, you had me at mask. It sounds like <laughs> a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of people love that. I didn't know that. <laughs> well, I know I do. So tell us something about that. What's happening this fall. So we've been a nonprofit since 2018 and we haven't had to do any big fundraisers because the community literally takes care of us. Um, but my board has been, growing with experienced board members, which has been amazing. And a lot of the experienced board members are saying, that's great what you do. And we can live month to month for the rest of our lives if you want to, but we could also do a annual fundraiser and raise enough operational costs, you know, to cover our operational costs and stuff like that. So you don't have to worry every month about that. And I was like, Oh, there's a, there's an <laughs> idea. So, um, because this is all still new to me, I just had to trust these people that I do trust. Yep. And, uh, these are people that are experienced, 
Um, I think we got leadership Spokane involved. Um, and we're going to do, we're going to go big or go home. Like we're going to do a massive fundraiser in November at the Shriners event center, which a lot of people don't even know about. And when you see it, it's like, where have you been all my life? And they're excited because they want more people to know about this event center. So we're, we're going to blow it up. And, um, people that can't go, are going to be able to do the auctions because live meld is getting involved, which they do auctions live. And then they also have an amazing platform where if you're sitting at home, you can actually bid and stuff too. So so, so many people when they get involved, your, yeah. your money goes up. And so we're just trying to raise as much money as we can and raise awareness. We're going to spend the whole night, um, bringing people on stage and talking about how giving backpacks and Spokane quarantine has changed their lives and stuff. It's just going to be a really positive light attracts light night. Um, and we've never had anything like it. So we have a lot of really fun stuff planned. We're going to wait until the night and we want everyone to leave there and be like, I can't believe what just happened. Like I want to do that again. So um, we're always trying to think outside the box normally with Spokane quarantine, but now it's almost like, okay, this is our moment for the year to really leave a mark. So, um, everybody wants to be involved. So right now we're having trouble, like saying no, like three or four media companies have said, let's, wow. t- let us take care of it. And we're like, okay, but we're not sure how to divvy this up. So that's just one thing we're, we're still trying to get used to is so many people rolling up their sleeves saying we want to help. It's, it's not like the old days where just you had to beg, borrow, and steal to get anybody involved. Now it's just a matter of like, okay, where can we place everybody? And and and, and I want people to be involved and like like I said, make leaders out of people that didn't even know they were leaders because there's a lot of people out there with a lot of potential and they just need that moment to shine. And I want to help be that light, you know. We find that in our own work. You know, we exist to help adults with disabilities. You know, find employment and you know see what the value of a job is. What's yeah. the value of work? And we, you know, I think we help inspire people to be their best self and, and show up. And and you and get to so- see that pride on their face when they get their paycheck and you get to see that. And so when you see it, it's amazing. Um, I got to speak to department DSHS. Mm-hmm. Um, they were having a statewide company meeting at the Trent location. And they asked me to come be the keynote speaker and be like an inspirational speaker for these people who sit in a cubicle all day and they're not sure what the work they're doing, what it's doing. Cause they don't get to see it. So I mean, you talk about, we get to see that work. And so I, it was really kind of an amazing moment because that was the same DSH office. The last time I was there, I was um, replacing a lost EBT card when I was living in my van. And so um, I literally sat in the parking lot and cried before I went in there because I'm like, I would have never thought that I would be invited back to that building to be the keynote speaker, to inspire people to live these great lives and to, to be proud of what they do and stuff like that. So that, that just those, those moments come where you know you're in a special moment and you can't even explain it to people and you just have to r- just sit in it. And, and I, I try to tell people all the time, just look for those little pieces of hope that I'm talking about, because once you start seeing them and acknowledging them, then pretty soon they're everywhere. And then all of a sudden you're living this life in hope yeah. and positivity that uh, and I know it sounds corny sometimes when I say it because I've heard people, you know, inspirational speakers talk like that. And it's like, but when you're really going through it, it's harder than that. You know, there's that, that toxic positivity. That's actually a thing where, Oh, it's fine. It'll get better. It's like, well, no, people are really struggling, but um, I think it's important to know that uh, there, there isn't a, a better day down the road and you just got to figure out how to see that and, and notice it because I think a lot of people walk by those moments. For sure. I know how I have in my darkest times. And oh yeah. You Cause you're them. so consumed with the sadness that you don't, you're not going to see a little flicker of light over here, you know? And yep. the day that I met Jared, the homeless man who started giving backpacks basically by meeting him, um, I almost walked by him. And I think to this day, like what would have happened had I not met him? Because that, 
that was the pivotal point that changed everything. And, um, I can't even imagine had I not stopped and talked to him. So I'm, that's really big point for me to, to kind of bring up when I talk to people is just to make sure you're aware of things and don't pass those opportunities up if you can help it. <laughs> well, you're, it seems like you're at an inflection point too, with your nonprofit, right? Like you, you've built something, you have a, a movement and now it's time to like sustain it and you're getting some good advice, right? Yeah. <laughs> From your board, uh, to kind of create not this month to month, but like a real sustainable organization. Yep. Like I believe in what you're doing and, and this movement of helping light versus, you know, light attracts light. It just, it feels right to me. And there are, I mean, homelessness right now is a big issue in Spokane. And so there are people that have very valid points. You know, people are taking advantage of things. People are loitering and littering. And, um, but, but one thing to keep in mind is when you don't like yourself, you could care less what anybody else thinks about you. So when you see somebody going to the bathroom in public on the sidewalk in the middle of the day, I guarantee the reason they don't care about what you think of that is because they don't like themselves. And so, um, if we can just take a minute and realize there are a lot of people out there that are just need a couple resources. And then there's a lot of people that are chronically homeless that are, that need a lot of help, but to throw them all into one pool and just be like, well, everyone's lazy. Nobody wants to work. That's not fair. And so that's not going to move that needle. And so, um, I think it's like you said, when you talk about getting people to the table, those people need to have empathy. They need to know that everyone has a story. They need to understand that not everybody's the same and that you cannot lump everybody into one category. I think by now we would know that it's 2022, you know, but there's still a lot of people that just assume things. And so, um, I look very forward to the future and um, being invited to those conversations and, and trying to, uh, you know, try to shed some light on things that, and because I was homeless, you know, you have something it's, to say. it's interesting. Uh, one of the restaurants when I was homeless that asked me to leave their restaurant because I was homeless is also a restaurant that I got to help during the pandemic. And I never told them who I was. They didn't know, they didn't remember me. And it wasn't my place to say, Hey, you're that guy that threw me out years ago. Um, it was my place to maybe be a light in their life so that they realize, okay, maybe not everybody's bad and maybe it'll just shift that, that thinking. But, um, I, I keep that stuff in mind every day when I go out and I do stuff, I just, there, there's, there's purpose to everything. And, um, we need to make sure that we're doing, doing the right thing and not hurting our community by just lumping everybody together. You know, I'm curious, do you, do you know your purpose Why you're here? Oh man, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, I don't get to talk about faith a lot because it scares people, but I, I truly believe that the day that I met Jared, God was there with me and, um, he's made it extremely clear that, uh, I'm where I'm supposed to be. And I don't understand sometimes why I, I was the one that got to be in that position to help people. But if I spend too much time thinking about it, that takes me away from the mission, which is just helping more and more people. So I, I'm just so blessed to be in this position. I never want to take it for granted. And I, every day I wake up, I just pinch myself because, um, I spent a long time struggling hard and it doesn't take much light to erase a lot of that. So who, sorry. <laughs> well, that's, that's just, but yes, I, I do believe I know my purpose. I don't, I can't really name it or put a, put a name on it, but I, I know that I'm where I'm supposed to be. And, uh, it's evident in everything that we do. <laughs> we don't plan things. I'll wake up one day and just be like, I'm going to do this. And we just do it. And the community does it like planning things. Actually, we've tried to plan things out and it actually turned out worse. So we're very spontaneous. Um, I don't, 
I just throw caution to the wind and, um, I've always felt like I, my back's been covered and, uh, as long as it continues to keep helping people, I'm just going to keep doing it. Well, I think that group of people that you're connected with, the spontaneity is, is part of the magic. Yeah. I saw you, uh, went to Chowderhead. Yeah. Support that, that, uh, establishment They're up on Monroe and where did you bring the food? So the food went to Catholic charities, um, and it gave their cooks kind of a break cause they, in the heat and stuff, they, they do a lot of work. And so whenever, whenever we're able to go, this is probably the fourth or fifth time we've helped bring food to them. But whenever we do, they're just so gracious and happy. Like, Oh, we get a break a little bit tonight, you know? And so, and plus people get to experience food that they would not normally yes. get to experience. So these gourmet yeah. sandwiches, um, some people don't experience that. So those 180 restaurants that we bought meals yeah. from were from all over the world, every culture of food you can think of. And we would deliver them to shelters, and there's a lot of agencies out there with low income people, you know, at their agencies. And so people got to experience food from around the world that they normally wouldn't. So the whole recipe was just a win, win, win for everybody. <laughs> there's a spark of hope right there too, right? If experiencing something you've never experienced before. Right. And food is like a, that's that, what universal language of love. You know? Yes. <laughs> it's core to our humanity. Oh, you don't even have to say anything. Just here's a, here's a, here's a meal and leave. And they're just like, Oh, thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, as a, a board member on uh, Catholic housing adventures, it's a, the housing arm of Catholic charities. Thank you. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. It's like, we're all trying to, yeah, just make an impact. Right. Well, what else are you excited about in our community? Oh man. The library. I've been dying to get here. I'm so <laughs> excited. Too. My wife yeah. was so jealous. I got to come here to do my podcast because she's been wanting to come here. So I get to, I told her I won't check it all out, but uh, I'll have to bring her back because this is this is amazing. Uh, Spokane Public Library got involved and started giving us uh, activated library cards to put in our backpack. So that is really cool. See, so, so someone who gets this backpack, they now have the resources of the library at their disposal. <laughs> and they can come in with their card that's already activated, yeah. which I don't even know how that works. But they said, you know, they can't check out books per se and take the books away, but they have access to all the computers. Um so for, you know, resumes or, or job interviews, they've had access to, to classes that are here, everything. So, um, and then White's Boots gives us vouchers for brand new White's Boots. I don't know if you've ever seen their yeah, boots. Yeah, they but, look pretty nice. Oh, so um, their stipulation is if you're homeless and you're working, you can get one of these vouchers. So they give us 12 vouchers a year, which is That's once so a month. so generous. Oh my gosh, but these are like $500 pairs of boots. <laughs> so we've been giving vouchers to people who have landed that job, but they're in tennis shoes with no soles and they have to stand in a warehouse for 12 hours. And so, um, if you look on that page and just search white's boots, you'll see pictures of people with their boots and smiling. And that just brings that pride and hope. And, um, everybody always writes me back and is like, I love my new boots and they're lifetime boots. So, um, so yeah, we're trying to put things in the backpacks, not just stuff to get you through the night, which is originally how we started, but Hey, while you're sitting here, here's some literature, here's some, places in Spokane that want to help you. If you need help, um, recovery cafe just gave us these little cards that you text the word hi to the certain number H I to the certain number. And it'll start you a series of questions through text, just asking what's going on in your life. And, um, if it's drug and alcohol addiction, you're struggling with, or if it's unemployment only, um, maybe it's mental health s situation. Um, as you answer those, it, slowly puts you in contact with resources. So Whoa. that's just, I think that's, I don't know if it's going to work, but it sounds promising. And I just love 
groups like that that think outside the box and say, well, let's let's do this and let's try it. So those are the things that are going to really end up helping. Yeah, what I'm hearing is just looking into our community, finding the different groups that are doing this, you know, work and pulling people together. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we got to do it together. I don't think I think we're built to be together. We're not built to do things alone. <laughs> I agree. Rick, what have we not talked about that our listeners should know? They're oh, about man. Yeah, what about you? Oh man, I'm a new empty nester, my wife and I, so uh we have five... I don't know whether to say congratulations <laughs> or sorry. <laughs> we have five kids and uh now our life is amazing. We can go out, not that it wasn't with our kids, uh, but we can go out and do whatever we want. Uh, we don't have to check in with daycare and stuff like that. So that's been really fun. We've been uh, trying to go to the ocean once a year, which is just a new thing for me. So um, Oregon I, coast, yes, Washington Oregon. coast. So okay. ocean shores and um, Lincoln city. And I mean, just all up and down that what's, uh, seaside and what's right next to seaside. There's another one. Cannon Beach. Cannon Beach is yeah. our favorite. That's the one I forgot. But uh, yeah, we try to go there once, maybe twice a year. Um, Gonzaga is now having me speak to classes of student athletes. So that's how I met Razier Bolton. Um, but every semester I get to go in and speak to a whole new class of student athletes. Um, it's a class geared for around the NIL thing, which is name image likeness, because now college students can actually make money off of their image and their, their likeness. And when they promote things and stuff like that. And so they brought me on to talk. They bring a lot of people in to talk about different areas, but me specifically, I get to talk about, um, you can, you can help a nonprofit. And just by helping that nonprofit, you can do amazing things for that nonprofit. And so it doesn't always have to be about nailing down that big Nike, you know, what is it? Contract, you know, or or buying that new car. Sometimes you can, you can change your community by just partnering with a nonprofit. And Razier has been a perfect example of that. So we can actually show people this is what we've done. And it already, it, you know, helps you build your brand and stuff like that. So that's another thing I pinch myself. Like, I can't believe I'm in here. You know, I was talking 10 feet in front of, you know, Timmy, Drew Timmy, and some of these kids who are going to be million or are millionaires already. And I, they're asking me for advice about uh, how they could work with nonprofits. So to me, it's just, I'm still in this fairyland dream world where I can't believe it's my life. <laughs> Goosebumps for me. <laughs> it's yes. weird, but Spokane, I love it. There's some magic in this town too, yeah. right? Just that when people want to do something, it seems to, it can happen here. Yeah. I don't know if that's the case in every community. Yeah. It certainly is special. here. I've been to Portland recently and um, we've been to uh, San Francisco and just seeing their big issues like with homelessness and stuff like that. It's just like, wow, I come back home refreshed and like, you know what? I know it's, I know there's some bad things going on, but man, we, we are, if there's a city that can fix this and handle it, it's us. You know, we just got to figure out how to do it because there's a lot of moving parts and there's a lot of people, there's egos, there's all that stuff. And you have to figure out how to sift through all that. And the way I like to describe it is, you know, we need to basically start over and build a foundation because we just keep trying to put this sparkly, shiny, really expensive roof on a foundation that's collapsing. And that's, that's great for the people that don't know us and see us. And they're like, Oh, that's a pretty city, but it we're crumbling and we, we need to just start over and build that foundation. Um, that way every year we're not starting over, you know, it just seems like every, I mean, homelessness has increased and I've been doing this for seven years. And I thought when I started, Oh, I'm going to help solve homelessness. Well, seven years later, the numbers are way more than it was then. And I'm like, uh Oh, you know, but I feel like 
that connection piece is a big part of it. And it's hard for people to wrap their mind around it because it's like, well, no, I think if we just put money towards this, it'll fix it. And it's like, well, no, I understand. I understand you need money to do things. That's definitely part of the, the puzzle piece, but you have to, you can't leave out that connection piece. And, um, that's really important. And I don't, I think until we figure that part out, we're just going to keep on doing the same things over and over again. You know? Well, I'm really glad that you're, you know, part of that conversation and I'm trying the right people. <laughs> yeah. That's all we can do. Yep. Right. Just one yep. foot in front of the other one person at a time and, and have hope that we yes. really can solve it. Yep. I, I have hope that we can, I'm not, you know, feeling like this is an insolvable issue. Absolutely. Yeah, and there's a lot of other issues. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in Spokane. So we have our hands full and it's, it's hard to juggle all of that and still run your family and run your own personal life and try to keep yourself in check. And I mean, us as humans have a lot to deal with and we're the only, you know, species that knows from birth that we're going to die. So we spend our entire lives trying to figure out what to do with that time. And, uh, and I think that's where we get ourselves in trouble is because that we're just so focused on the before and the after, and we're not living in the moment. And my favorite quote is wherever you are in life, be there. Um, and that just speaks volumes to me because I've missed so much in my life because I was so worried about making sense of what happened in my past. And I'm also so concerned with what I'm going to be doing in the future that these memories that I'm making now are going to be memories. And I'm not going to remember a whole lot about them because I was so focused on those other things. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense, but oh, it makes all the sense I mean, in the world. Being present, focus, yep. living in the moment. <laughs> yeah. It seems like that's the recipe for a good life. Yep. Rick, thank you so much for joining us today. Any parting thoughts for our listeners? Oh man, just, just be nice to each other. Know that the, the people screaming at you in traffic might be going through a lot of stuff of their own. So just kind of back off, pump the brakes a little bit. Um, you don't have to, to, to save the world all in one day. So just, just be kind, um, extend grace. Grace is my favorite word in the world. And then, um, also just keep an eye out for that hope. Rick. Thank you. Thank you. Well, stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking with good people doing good things. Good Gab is sponsored by Skillskin, a community-based nonprofit organization that provides employment services to adults with disabilities, helping them grow and thrive within the community. Thanks, everybody. Rick, thanks, dude. That was good. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs>